1: Hi folks, this is Alan Watt with Cutting Through the Matrix on Monday the 14th of July 2008. Newcomers, I ask to look into my archive section on the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and download as many of the, the talks I've given over the years as possible because within those talks you'll find a wealth of information connecting a lot of dots down through time right up to the present day, and a lot of documentation as to where you're going as well, and why you're going there. Also, look into Alan Watts sentinel.eu and download transcripts, which you can print up and pass around in the various tongues of Europe. We are certainly on a roll into this brave new world, and it is a a brave new world, a, a term coined thousands of years ago. By a Greek philosopher and then adapted by Huxley for his book Brave New World back in the 1930s. A world they knew in the 30s they'd bring in of completely altered humans, transhumans. They would accept their existence as a natural phenomena. Everything becomes natural a a very short period of time we adapt so quickly to everything and the biggest part of this whole agenda into a brave new world is simply conditioning the public to accept it step by step from old institutions such as the family which had to be destroyed through various means and then leading us into a, a system where we think we're free individualistically but no one really is an individual anymore. They're just separate people in the collective, all doing the same things, wanting the same things, and talking about the same things. That way you're much easier to control. Families used to often be a problem to tyrants and governments because they would debate things amongst themselves make plans of action and follow them through. The family is simply the remnant of the tribal system and it had to be eliminated. And every side, which you think is left and right, which are all one, remember. Remember, the eagle has two wings, left wing and right wing, but it's joined at the body, and the body is always hidden behind a shield. That's the ones who rule both sides. So by using the dialectical techniques, people choose one side or the other, and they don't know they're working towards the same goal. You end up on the same road, and the left and right wing knew a long, long time ago, and through eugenics and through the dissolution of the family unit, you would bring the two systems together, the Sovietized system and what was called the, the capitalist type West system. And as Lenin predicted, they'd merge together in 70 years or so. Not quite capitalist, not quite communist. It's the brave new world scenario because both sides, as I say, agreed from the very beginning they'd have to create new types of humans and cull off or at least let die off the old man and woman. It's quite amazing that since national health systems were brought into the world under the guise of helping the people, always by top eugenicists, by the way, as Lenin also said, these services would become authorities over the public and begin to dictate to them policies and over, again, a learning period of time of constant propaganda the public come to accept these services as authorities and that's been done and surely these services are to be turned on the people they have their own mandates for inoculations and right down to even eventual euthanasia for certain types under saving the planet back with more after this break Alan Watt and this is cutting through the matrix trying to show people that there's nothing new really going on we're simply following an old old business plan and the reality that people were given was the big con reality that little politicians guided the world on your behalf and they were there on your sufferance basically When all this time A super government already existed with vast tentacles going around every country with people at top places in every country, very rich people, foundations, with the same agenda, working upon the population through propaganda, media, and so on, and forming non-governmental organizations, this wonderful myriad of groups that somehow strangely got acceptance by all major governments, even though they don't represent the people, although that's what they claim they do. They don't represent the people. But then when democracy was given to the public, and it was written about in Britain by Burke and others, they said that even then, in the 1700s, that those with the largest groups would have the voice. However, it doesn't work quite like that, since NGOs are pretty well minority groups, with thousands of them, then how come only certain ones are selected as having a voice and other ones aren't even heard or or even mentioned? You see, the NGOs are part of the Soviet system, which is blended with the Western system, as it was intended to do. As the Club of Rome talked about, as the Rees Commission talked about with Senator Dodd, the whole point was to emerge the Soviet system. Soviet means rule by councils. And the NGO system was alive and well all through the Soviet era, pretending to speak on behalf of each part of society. The only difference being was that the, the Politburo openly put the leader for that NGO. An NGO group would then say, we demand the government pass this law for this reason. And the government was only so happy to do so. This is how the game worked. And it worked the same way in the West. Exactly the same way in the West. Otherwise, in a true democracy, every citizen would get an invitation to go to the big global meetings that affect them. Every one of these global meetings to do with the environment or whatever else they're using. And the environment is to be the big stick, according to the club of from the They were the guys who dreamed up this whole idea of global warming and man is a problem. The same old Eugenicists funding them, the big foundations. And they turn up, the NGOs turn up at the global meetings in very exotic places across the planet. You couldn't afford to get, get there. And they have a voice pretending to speak for the people of planet Earth. And as you all know, you've all voted to have your rights taken away, obviously, since these people speak for you. Another little key to the fact you're already global is the fact that media always, when it takes a certain subject, goes into action across the planet in every newspaper at the same time, on the same topics, with different writers. And this is from the BBC on the big new religion, you know, this, this greening religion, Going with the Green Party as well, no doubt. The same thing that Mr. Gorbachev talked about creating, a a form of earth worship. That's what he meant by it. And like all forms of religion, it has its high priests, who are very holy people, closer to their deity than we little peasants could ever be. From the BBC News on, this was uh, Friday 6th of January 2006, by Chris Rapley. The global population is higher than the Earth can sustain, argues a director of the British Antarctic Survey in the first of a series of environmental opinion pieces on the BBC. This BBC News website entitled The Green Room. Now, this is ongoing now. Years ago, I said, when all this started, the hardest thing to do will be to hold on to your sanity as we go through the changes you're going to experience, if you're conscious. Those living in the ignorance of, or bliss of ignorance uh, won't notice anything. They'll just draft into it quite, quite like a mosquito coming through the door and uh, blown in by the wind. So solving environmental problems such as climate change is going to be impossible without tackling the issue, he says. This is a pure propaganda piece, you see. 10,000 delegates attended the recent Montreal summit on the control of carbon emissions beyond Kyoto, you see, they put something on the books. They give you a vague idea of something going on called Kyoto, the environment. And once it's on the books, they expand it. That's how all laws work. This is beyond Kyoto. This is that's a lot of people. The conference organisation must have been daunting. And just imagine arranging the hotel accommodation and restaurant facilities, and dealing with additional human-generated waste. This is a little bit of humour before they give you the propaganda. Imagine the carbon and nitrogen emissions from the associated air travel. The 40 or more decisions made were announced as an historic success. Supposing this proves to be so, will it be sufficient to secure an acceptable quality of life for the generations to come? Then they go into propaganda here. It's a beautiful way it's written here, as though they're attacking it and laughing at it as not being hard enough. And then they come out with what they should be doing. Just what about the myriad other planetary-scale human impacts? For example, on land cover, the water cycle, the health of ecosystems, and biodiversity. What about the release of other chemicals into the environments? The massive transport and mixing of biological material worldwide, and our unsustainable consumption of resources. All these little buzzwords. All of these effects interconnect and add up to the collective footprint of humankind, On our planet's life-support system, the consequences extend to the ends of the Earth. We call the hole in the ozone layer over the Antarctic, which only NASA could see, and each as is as difficult to predict and as challenging to deal with as the link between carbon emissions and climate. It would surely be impractical and almost certainly ineffective to assemble 10,000 delegates to address each one of these issues, and especially to do so in the necessary joined-up way. And in particular, what about the next 66, 76 million annual rise in the world's population? Now all these statistics, you see most folk don't even ask or question anything, they just look at it and believe them as they pull figures out of the ether and repeat them. The next 76 million annual rise in the world's population, which currently stands at about 6.5 billion, more than twice what it was in 1960 and which is heading towards eight billion or so by mid-century. That's an annual increase of seven... They love this nonsense. 7,500 times the number of delegates in Montreal. This guy's got a calculator. Imagine organizing accommodation, feeding arrangements, blah, 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 blah. Water communications waste disposal for a number of people slightly larger than the population of the UK and doing it each year, year on year, for the foreseeable future then he goes on to steps to utopia now remember that word is a masonic word it goes back to what they call a golden age now they call it utopia and it's really taken from Moore's utopia you should read that one too very interesting written about around the same time as the new Atlantis by Bacon and their utopia is not the utopia you would imagine it's the brave new world scenario with a reduced population, etc. Although reducing human emissions to, be, uh, to the atmosphere is undoubtedly of critical importance, as are many of the other measures, etc., it says the truth is that the contribution of each individual cannot be reduced to zero. So if we believe that the size of the human footprint is a serious problem, and there's much evidence for this, then a rational view would be that along with a raft of measures to reduce the footprint per person the issue of population management must be addressed. Let us assume reasonably that an optimum human population level exists, which would provide the physical and intellectual capacity to ensure a rich and fulfilling life for all, but would represent a call upon the services of the planet, which would be benign and hence sustainable over the long term. A scientific analysis can tell us what that optimum number is then they, they want to say perhaps 2 to 3 billion. With that number and a timescale as targets, a path to reach utopia from where we are now is in principle a straightforward matter of identifying options, choosing the approach, and then planning and navigating the route from source to destination. In practice, of course, is a bombshell of a topic he's talking about population reduction you see, in euthanasia, (laughs) with profound and emotive issues of ethics, morality, equity, and practicability. Now remember, China is the model state for the world, according to the United Nations, where you cannot marry unless the government okays you as being fit, physically, DNA-wise, and so on, to marry an equally past and approved person and have a child. One child, by the way. That's what he's talking bringing it here. As found in China, practicality and acceptability can be particularly elusive. So controversial is the subject that has become the Cinderella of the great sustainability debate, rarely visible in public or even in private. Not quite true. They do talk about it privately. In interdisciplinary meetings addressing how the planet functions as an integrated whole, demographers and population specialists are usually notable by their absence. We are indeed at opportunities for religious leaders, philosophers, moralists and policymakers, politicians and indeed the global public to debate the trajectory of the world's human population in the context of its stress on the earth system and to decide what might be done. Unless this this changes, summits such as that Montreal, which addressed part of it, and he on to say will be of no particular use. Back with more after this break. (music) Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. I'm trying to point out to you how we're gradually fed over a period of years. Little bits of information that we gloss over and your subconscious takes it in and you're acclimatizing yourself to something which is coming down the pike without really reasoning it through for yourself. You you think it will be inevitable in fact because you're swallowing propaganda without any question. And that's what all of that is, is propaganda, pretty well. Everything that you read is propaganda. Even the fictions you watch and enjoy the dramas on police and military and so on. And all these these incredible anti-terrorist dramas now they are on every country's television sets. It's all propaganda to train you to obey and accept this new coming system. Now I'm going to go to the phone because there's a caller from Germany, Stefan. Are you there, Stefan? Hello? H- hello, Stefan.
2: Yeah, can you hear me?
1: Yes, I can hear you now.
2: Oh, okay. Um, I would like to talk to I today about three sources, a book from Stanford, Plato and Krishnamurti, that in my opinion added some things you are saying. All right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. First of all, do you know the book Changing Images of Man from Stanford?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and it's so, uh, you know, do you think it's worthwhile to look into it?
1: Uh, it there's no harm. There's no harm. <laughs> at all. Yeah. Everything should be looked into. And... uh regardless of who puts it out, especially the ones who, that are put out, which are meant to alter your mind along a certain path, which you think it often is freeing you, but it leads you back into a new trap, and you don't realize that's where the masters want you to go. That's how the whole dreaming process started, with, with giving with frightening, frightening young people, showing them horrific stuff on pollution, and before you know it, they become the new young um, eco-freak army ready for in fact they're called the, the the earth army is what they were called before they created the movement and uh gene rodenberry of star trek fame said we shall create this this land this green army the first earth army and that was back in the 1960s they started to formulate the plans is how they would recruit youngsters brainwash them and terrify them until they would be totalitarian uh, and mindset towards changing the world without ever realizing that it was a, a big a plan by very old people behind it the same people in fact who did all the pollution so yeah. you have to look into every book out there but yeah the, 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 there's different uh, the ones on the, the changing images of man and so on i've read these books yeah
2: Okay. The second one is a point about Plato's allegory of the cave. Or allegory allegory of the cave. Yes. Yes. Excellent. And, e- uh, excellent I would allegory, like to yeah. quote um the the starting of it if hmm Okay. Um that. and it starts. Um
1: in the Plato's um, Cave, as I said, everyone should read that one on, on Plato's Cave, because he's showing you really the technique that is used. He uses yeah, a, a and it cave, and but it really the, is the technique for the whole world.
2: Yeah. yeah. May I quote it? Yes. Just the starting only. Yeah. Okay. Um, and now let me show in a parable how far our nature is enlightened or unenlightened. Behold, human beings living in an underground den which has a mouth open towards light. Here these people have been from their childhood and have their legs and necks chained so that they cannot move and can only see before them, being prevented by the chains from turning their heads. Above and beyond them there's a fire blazing at a distance. And between the fire the prisoners is erased a raised wall, and you will see, if you look, a low wall built along the walk, like the screen which marionette players have in front of them, over which they show the puppets. How can I see? Socrates, and uh, do you see men passing along the wall carrying all sorts of containers? And statues and figures of animals made of wood and stone and various materials which appear over the wall. Some of them are talking, others silent and I would like to point out um this is something i I recognized uh, later when I read again um man passing along uh the containers
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah do you uh give any significance to that because uh, in the normal interpretation of it it um the, it's, uh, the only important thing is um that uh, things are uh, in uh, give shadows, but yeah. um, normally nobody uh, cares about that. That there are men which carry them.
1: Uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah.
2: Okay. And uh, the third one, um, which I would like to talk about, is about Jiddu uh, Krishnamurti, um, and I would like to quote something which he said a few months before his death. It's, it's a short one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um. Ah yeah. Okay. Um, this is uh, from Bruford Park. Uh, it's a talk from him, uh, September first, nineteen eighty-five. He died in in February, nineteen eighty-six. The computer is something extraordinary. It is going to probably take over over our lives. That is probably the new industry. The computer will shape our lives. It is already doing it quietly, slowly. We are unaware of it. We have talked to a great many of these experts, computer experts, who are building it. They are not concerned with what happens to the human brain. You understand my question? They are concerned with creating it. I'm not creating, building it. That's a better word. Mm. When a computer takes over our lives, what happens to our brains? They are better, far so quicker, so rapid. In a second, they will tell you a thousand memories. So when they take over, what is going to happen to our brain? Great. Yeah, well, hold on a break.
1: second, uh, Stefan, and we'll finish this after this break. Yeah.
0: You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
1: Hi, folks. This is Alan Watt back cutting through the Matrix. And do we still have Stefan on the phone?
2: Yes. um, Yes, you're quoting
1: from Krishnamurti there about the computer, one of his last works.
2: Yes, um, and um, it's only a short thing. He says, um, Will they gradually wither or be uh, thoroughly employed in amusement, in, in, in entertainment? please face all this, for God's sake, this is happening. So I just wanted to protest this because you said that, that uh, no uh, religious person um, talks about these subjects.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And uh, I think uh, Krishnamurti did in, in his uh, last year.
1: Yes, I read that uh, that article, in fact, on, mm-hmm. when you talked about the computer. And there's no doubt about it, the computer is an essential tool to bring in this complete new world system, and every sub-part of the system, they could not do it without the computer's aid. And once again, they need the public's aid to adapt to the computer and become addicted to it. And in fact, most folk today think they could never do without it. And unfortunately, it's, um, it's, it, it's, it brings us in to a pre-planned system, a next step. Uh, So, yeah, the computer um, is a cold machine. It's a cold machine that's programmed by others. uh, Once they interface it with the human brain, in fact, which they've talked about, I mean, this is in the open, and the Defense Department uh, were working on that many years ago, which means I'm sure they can do it quite easily. It's a matter of getting us used to the idea. Then you will no longer be you either. Someone else programs you. You don't make the program. Whoever makes the program is the king and this is going to happen unfortunately it's for a plan it's not random it's not random yeah
2: yeah i know i, I just wanted to to, to add uh, to to what you're saying because i think that um everything i can uh, check what you mm-hmm. say is true
1: yes mm-hmm. well thanks thanks for calling yeah um, i appreciate mm-hmm. it thanks now and we've got paul from new york there yeah paul Okay, is Daniel there? Is Daniel on the yeah. phone? Yeah, California. I'm here. I'm here, Al.
0: Yeah, okay, go ahead. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago you had a guy talking about, um, he asked you if you were a born again Christian and you said, I'm not a Christian in the cultural sense. Or you didn't even say you were a Christian. You were just you just said, not in the, in not what you would think is cultural Christianity. I was wondering if we could shed some more light on that. Were you basically saying that, you know, that you can believe in, in the things that Christians believe in, just without all the indoctrination
1: I don't think you'd even have to uh, if you understand that what's in Christianity was was eternal before Jesus Christ yeah and uh, in other words if you go into any truth you'll always come along the same truth It cannot be different truths
0: exactly that's exactly what I'm talking about like like me I was raised I was raised Catholic you know and I, I don't necessarily Keep the faith anymore, but I, I, I do believe that there was a lot of truth there. Yes. And, oh, that there's eternal and, truth. see,
1: there, there are fundamental laws in this world that, that, that whether we like you or not, you, you can't break yeah. without suffering. And, um, either you will suffer or someone else will suffer. For everything we do, there's a consequence in the world. And that's what the elite call it themselves in high masonry. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. That there's no such thing as a free ride anywhere. And yeah. in this age, we were taught to uh, do your own thing, which is a joke, since no one is really doing their own thing. They're doing what's been pushed at them. Um, exactly. There are consequences. However, those that rob in the world know what the consequences will be. They use those consequences uh, and then show us how to cope with them. Here's the answer to that. And we, we further enslave ourselves in a our system because we're encouraged to think we're free and do
0: what we want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I mean... I have I've come I've come through stages Of my awakening And and through my understanding But I The the way that I feel comfortable Through prayer And through To reaching that higher You know Whatever it is out there Mm -hmm. I I find it through Through The religion that I was raised in Mm -hmm. You know um, I Not to say that I'm entirely Indoctrinated But I think I know better But the Mm -hmm. way I The way The way I know how to worship And the way I know how to reach that Is through that religion Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it—I it, 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 think it just brings me comfort, of course, as all religions do to all people. But I think the the trick here is knowing better.
1: Knowing better, absolutely. And um, as I, as I say, you'll find the same basic principles in all people's religions that that are survival mechanisms to save those people and keep them uh-huh. going. Uh, well, so, how about, so, how about
0: how about you, Alan? I mean, do you do you? I mean. I hear you talk about spirituality all the time and mm-hmm. i mean do you have some sense of that do you i'm sure you do i mean how do you how do you pray how do you get to your oneness as they call it it, it just it comes to you
1: when you're in the right of mind um you're doing the right things it's not it's not a god of the world that's for sure
0: oh definitely i believe that
1: and yeah. it's, it's not it's generally not the ones they've, they've given you because yeah, exactly. um the ones have given you have been so warped in the last uh, hundred and fifty years and combined together
0: yeah, so that's, it, well, that's behind the behind
1: the, the big religions you you have a, an esoteric story, and people don't even know what it is they're actually worshiping if they did they might stop um, <laughs> but it was known at one time a oh, long definitely. time ago yeah,
0: yeah I see like like I said like with myself I kind of I, I do I do believe in in that, but there's something out there in in the way that I reach that Uh that level is is through. uh, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to say it in a bad way. I just unfortunately I reach it through I reach it there through Christianity because that's what I was taught, you know. Yeah, Um, even though I don't believe all the hubbub about Jonah's getting swallowed by a whale and all the ribbing. Yeah, well, that's that's the old
1: testament. You see, again, it gets confused with Christianity and. and Jonah was copied from a story from India, which is much much older, by most of the old yeah. Testament was yeah.
0: and that's the thing too. you know I mean I know like the stories of the Bible are just um, are millennia older than the Bible itself, you know yeah. mm-hmm. uh, so I just wanted to kind of throw that out there to people you know it's, it's okay to, to be Christian and it's okay to have your beliefs, but just know better, damn it, damn I mean Again, you know, and
1: the thing is too, is not to follow people thinking that they're, they're, they're superior, closer to God than you are.
0: Exactly, cause in, because in, they always your, give they, us these
1: multi-millionaire success stories to follow, who end up guiding us along with the world council of churches into the new world order. It's wonderful.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I laugh about it myself because I'm just yeah. like, you know, I because I know a lot of I know a lot of smart people, but unfortunately they fall right into that. Yes, they do. Into that label, you know, and it's like, man, you know, you, you, we talk about this every day, but I just I wish you could see that the. That there's a bigger meaning here not just what you've not just the absolution that you want with you know yes um, in the, your little truth your the truth that you're looking for with, with your conditions you know open up and, 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 and realize that there's more truth you know you can't Absolutely. be on your condition and you must you must experience
1: truths and everything that's the whole key to it anything else yeah. you're simply taking on a trust which is belief but you must experience um, truths that are something you're supposed to experience only then can you know as opposed to believe
0: you know and it's funny because most of that stuff happens when we're by ourselves we're alone yeah it's, it's late at night or something you know and that's why you know most of most of everybody's you know when, when things like that happen we're called crazy or mm. uh, we're cuckoo or something you know yeah
1: but nighttime is is, is a time for reflection it symbolizes so much and it's the time when your mind can get out of the rough uh, working the light of the day and it gives you a, a, another perspective because we have different parts of our our mind or even our brain uh, that come into play at different times, and nights a time for reflection on and to much higher things, as opposed to the the, the lights of the work day. Yeah.
0: It, well, one last question, and I'll and I'll take my my answer off the air. Um, you once said that "born again" was is a term that's really really old. I'm wondering if you could shed some more light on that. And yeah you're born so. again always meant,
1: in the in the mystery religions, uh, for thousands of years, uh, someone who had um, become conscious of the real world. Because this con game of control through priesthoods and uh, for an a, a hierarchy for for a wealthy elite class, this con game, thousands of years old, it came in with money. It was there at the beginning. And um, She was learned from a previous age. So a person who woke up, literally, uh, and saw things anew as they really were, not the, not the way they'd been trained and conditioned to see things, uh, was called born again, the land of the dead. Uh, raising the dead used to mean um, a person who had become conscious. Even those that walked around, if they were not conscious, technically were the dead. And that's why in the New Testament you get you get Jesus saying let the dead bury their dead which makes people scratch their head Um, it's because those people were technically not conscious at all those with spirit were were those who were conscious that's what it meant
0: okay thank you Al
1: thanks for calling and uh, so yeah there's nothing new under the sun as they say the same con games go on the same techniques of manipulation which are just formula if you know the formula That made people do something in the past even if it was thousands of years ago you can reintroduce that formula because it will work again that's something that Plato and others always knew and those who study the secret archives are not available to the public also know today that's how Gorbachev knew they could create a new world religion based on earth worship and so on it's simply all formula and time and propaganda and getting the minds of the young Here's an article here just to show you how loving your governments are. And I, I said this all during the Cold War. You don't have to worry about the Russians. It's your own governments you must fear if you understand the whole agenda. And this was from The Observer, Sunday, the April 21st, 2002. It says, the Ministry of Defense turned large parts of the country, that's Britain, into a giant laboratory to conduct a series of secret germ warfare tests on the public. A government report just released provided for the first time a comprehensive official history of Britain's biological weapons trials between 1940 and 1979. Many of these tests involved releasing potentially dangerous chemicals and microorganisms over vast swaths of the population without the public being told. or well, why should you to tell the public, eh? While details of some secret trials have emerged in recent years, the 60-page report reveals new information about more than 100 covert experiments. The report reveals that military personnel were briefed to tell any inquisitive inquirer the trials were part of research projects into weather and air pollution. The tests carried up by government scientists at Porton Down were designed to help the Ministry of Defence assess Britain's vulnerability if the Russians were to have released clouds of deadly germs over the country. What a joke. eh? What a joke. We'll spread germs over Britain, watch the people die and get sick, just to see how the Russians would do it. You see, there was no Cold War. There's no Cold War. They gave themselves permission. They need something, a potential enemy, to do this to their own public because this will be used in the future, bringing down the global population. It says here in most cases the trials did not use biological weapons, but alternatives which scientists believe would mimic germ warfare and which the MOD claimed were harmless. But families in certain areas of the country of children with birth defects are demanding a public inquiry. One chapter of the report, the fluorescent particle trials, revealed how between 1955 and 1963, planes flew from northeast of England to the tip of Cornwall, along the south and east-west coast, dropping huge amounts of zinc cadmium sulfide on the population. And you think they're not doing it today. You know what cadmium is? And this, the cancer rate shut up. Chemical drifted miles inland. This fluorescent, uh fluorescence allowing the spread to be monitored. Another trial using zinc cadmium sulfide generator was towed along a road. Near From in Somerset, where it spewed the chemical for an hour. Well the government has insisted the chemical is safe. Cadmium is recognized as a cause of lung cancer. It's not just a cause, it's one of the leading causes, highly carcinogenic, and during the Second World War it was considered by the Allies as a chemical, a weapon. It was also released off Norfolk by ships and it was blown in across the country. The National Health Service then monitored the people as he got sick enough enough of them died of course in another chapter large area coverage trials by the Minister of Defence describes how between 61 and 1968 more than a million people along the south coast of England from Turkey to the New Forest were exposed to bacteria including E. coli and bacillus globa which mimics anthrax these releases came from a military ship the ice whale anchored off the Dorset coast which sprayed the microorganisms In a five to ten mile radius. The report also reveals details of the DICE trials in South Dorset between 1971 and 75. These involved U.S. and U.K. military scientists spraying into the air massive quantities of Ceratia, Massicens bacteria with an anthrax stimulant and phenol. Similar bacteria were released in the sabotage trials between 1952 and 1964. These were tests to determine the vulnerability of large government buildings, haha, and public transport to attack. In 1956, tube were released in the London Underground at lunchtime along the northern line between Collier's Wood and Tooting Broadway. The results show that the organism dispersed about 10 miles. Similar tests were conducted in tunnels running underground buildings in Whitehall. Experiments conducted between sixty four and 1973 involved attaching germs to the threads of spiders' webs in boxes to test how the germs would survive in different environments. These tests were carried out in a dozen locations across the country, including London's West End, Southampton, and Swindon. The report also gives details of more than a dozen smaller field trials between sixty eight and seventy seven. In recent years, the Minister of Defence has commissioned two scientists to review the safety of these tests, both reported there was no risk to the public health, although one suggested the elderly or people suffering from breathing illnesses may have been seriously harmed if they inhaled sufficient quantities of microorganisms. However, some families and areas which bore the brunt of the secret test are convinced the experiments have led their children suffering birth defects, physical handicaps and learning difficulties David Orman, an army officer in Bournemouth, is demanding a public inquiry. His wife, Jeanette, was born in East Lulworth Luth- Luth- uh, in Dorset, close to where many of the trials took place. She had a miscarriage, then gave birth to a son with cerebral palsy. Janet's three sisters, also born in the village, where the tests being carried out have also been given, uh, given birth to children with unexplained problems, as have a n- number of their neighbours. The local health authority has denied there is a cluster Orman believes otherwise he said I'm convinced something terrible has happened the village was a close-knit community and to have so many birth defects over such a short space of time has to be more than coincidence and it goes on and on and on you know it's not stopped it hasn't stopped they're, they're spraying the world now pretty well daily and have been for 10 years ...on a continuing basis. When I was small, I remember them spraying these large circle eights above me. My Air Force uncle couldn't explain them as contrails to me or himself. Back with more after these messages. I'm Alan Watt cutting through the matrix and there's one little article I just want to mention about the nonsense and it's from, it reminds me of Bertrand Russell's comment who was a big player in this and he planned a lot of what was to come he and many of his ilk and he said there's no nonsense so arrant that it could not be made to be the main belief or creed of, of the vast majority of people given enough government action so in other words they could put any tremendous action on the public they could be made to believe anything and it's like adam weishaupt talked about He says, Oh foolish man what can you not be made to believe and there's a, a website is called eco geek eco geek g-e-e-k uh 11th of july 2008 and it's got a picture of a cow with a big plastic tank on its back, like a balloon, to catch. Yeah, to catch its farts. No kidding. no kidding. This is the lens they're going to to convince us of the problems and to stop eating meat. I'm not joking. He diddle diddle, the cat and the fiddle, the cow. So we floated over the moon. If this balloon gets any bigger, have a look at this thing and show the kind of stuff that's getting put out there and this madness as it creates this new crazy, idiotic religion that we're all supposed to obey. Remember, we're supposed to obey all this this religion, treated by nutcases. It's well worth looking at it. That's us, EcoGeek, 11th of July, 2008. And as Lyle stolen the phone? Was it Kyle?
3: Hello. Yes, here. Yes. Okay. Um, I was just going to look up that eco-key. Are, are they at least collecting the farts to use for fuel? I don't
1: know. There were there were there's comments at the bottom that are really hilarious <laughs> from from people there uh, suggesting what they should do with the, uh, the methane. And there's, there's quite a lot of pretty good suggestions there as to what they should do with it, as you can imagine.
3: Yes, uh, um, but the article before really. Got, uh got to me because in the United States we have this thing called the U.S. Code. Yes, and I know. Title 50, Chapter 32, Subsection 1520, mm-hmm. says that um, they can't test biologicals or chemicals on the people without their consent. That's right. But they mention this thing called informal consent. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering how you would describe that. Informal is when they give you little clues of it and you don't complain.
1: You, you accept it. by You acquiesce by your silence. Yes.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So who do seeing I complain? yourself sprayed from above in the sky and seeing nothing is, is
3: acquiescing legally
1: by your silence.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. I just feel like it's uh, a mute point to uh, complain to Congress because I already know that they don't work for me. That's correct. They never have. <laughs> so uh, uh, I guess just uh, the only way we could combat this is with uh, vitamins, and I know they're attacking uh, Canadians, right, to get uh, things like vitamin C. Well, you can't have a,
1: a fit population eating de- denaturalized, demineralized, devitaminized GMO vegetables uh, you know, you, 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 if you've got a dumb population, that they're much more easier to, to, you know, guide around by the nose. Yeah, yeah. that's what it's about, and that's what it's about to do. So for this week, is this Monday, it's about over. Remember, help me out with donations who can. Order the books, look at the websites and keep in touch. From Hamish, myself, it's good nights, Ontario, Canada, and may your God or your gods go with you.